May God bless you as you give through, through much prayer, even from the first of the year. In the last few weeks, we talked about last week about things that get thrown at us, how life just kind of happens. And, and uh, we talked about, anybody remember the title of last week's message? Get a grip. Yeah, I forgot the title. Get a grip. We were throwing tennis balls around in here and talking about the things that God has given us and hanging on to those things. And our, our, uh, our guys that were up here uh, did an awesome job. Um, Haley and Dylan did awesome. We have to hold on to the promises of God. We have to make vows to God. And vows are not something that you just keep on Sunday. They're not just something you keep on Wednesday. Just because you show up for church on Sunday and Wednesday does not mean you're going to heaven. Did you hear me? Just because you show up for church does not mean you're going to heaven. The only assurance you have of heaven is knowing that your name, your name, not mine, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And the only way you can know that is that you have committed your life to Jesus Christ. You have accepted Him as your Lord, as your Savior, but most of all, as your soon to return king. And I'm telling you, if that doesn't excite your excitement button, then there's something wrong. That means you have filled that slot with something of this world. And God is saying, love me with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with everything about you, because He says, I am a jealous God. And if you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Great analogy. I can't stand to see somebody spit. And I think it's because my mom used to say that. It's just something nasty about it. Especially if you step in it. God says, I will spit you out. He says, I will spew you out. Which means He don't want anything. Which means you're a bad taste to God. So when we look at the Scripture in Romans 7, I want us to look at this real quick. And we may talk about commitment for a while. Romans 7, 18 says this, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. How many of you know that? You know that? There's nothing good in your flesh. There's nothing good there. For to do or for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. You ever find doing good is sometimes hard? wonder why that is. Because you live in a flesh body. And your flesh is warring against your spirit. It says, For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil, I will not to do that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who does it. But it's the sin that dwells in me. All of you have something. Look at your neighbor and say, there's something about you. Just point at them. Just go ahead and point at them. Say, there's something. I know there's something. And what's amazing about is whatever that something is to them, it's not a big deal to you, so you feel okay. Because as long as I can keep pointing out his stuff, you don't look at my stuff. And that's what we've become masters of. Have you heard about so-and-so? Oh, yeah, I heard about them. Oh, yeah, they're having problems. Oh, yeah, well, you want to know the problems? Because sister so-and-so told me about the problem. Well, I can tell you about the problem, but don't tell nobody. Let's pray about it. You never pray. Nobody's ever praying, but they talk about We're praying about it. We've been praying for Don't tell me you're praying for me if you ain't praying. You lie, you die, you fry. That's something good to remember. 
Don't be lying about stuff. You know, I can tell if some... You can tell when somebody says they've been praying. You can tell if they've been praying or not. Or if they've just been on the gossip line. How are you doing this year on your New Year's resolutions? You know we're halfway through the year? How many of you made some New Year's resolutions? Some vows, some commitments. If you want to go to the Old Testament, some covenants. How many of you made some of those? Some of you lying. All of you. How many of you made... Come on, we're going to be here all day if you don't answer these questions. Now, don't answer this one, but how many of you failed to meet that commitment? Some of you said, I'm going to lose weight. That's that's always the number one. I'm going to lose weight. Some of you may have gained weight. I'm going to keep my household budget better. And it's worse now than it's ever been. Maybe you've said, I'm going I'm to quit that bad habit that I had. Maybe you've kept that one and picked up another one. I'm going to spend more quality time with my family. I don't even like my family, so I don't know. That's not me. That's, that's, I'm just repeating what I think you might say. And I'm going to get back in church and get involved. Now, if you miss that one, you're not even hearing the sermon. I should save that one for Easter, I guess. For the Easter bunny and baby Jesus. Why do we break commitments so easily? Let's look at a commitment. How many of you have been married? Good old wedding collection book. I want to welcome everybody here to this special occasion in the lives of John and Sally. For this cause, Ephesians says, a man should leave and cleave unto his. Cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. One. But you've got to have separate accounts because you don't know what that guy's going to do. The two shall become one flesh. Then we go into some challenges. First challenge I commit. I challenge you to be one in your commitment to God. Oh, yeah, I just want to do that. And commitment to each other. Oh, I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. And then to your future, which we see sometimes turns out opposite. But here's the pledge. Here's the commitment. Here's the vow. Here's the vow that we're not making just before that person that stands before us that we are so in love with. We're making this vow before the witnesses that are there, the family that is there, We're making it also before God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We're making this vow. And we always say, Groom, would you repeat these words after me if it is your heart's desire? Why do we say that? Because your head don't know. That's the problem today. We're being led by head knowledge and we we don't have a clue. God says, my ways are above your ways. So if you can figure it out, you probably are in the wrong boat. Here's what it says. To my wedded wife, I pledge to have and to hold from this day forward. <laughs> that sounds good. Because it's right before honeymoon. Here's what gets us. For better or for worse. For richer or for poorer. I tell you what, if you don't get a job, I'm out of here. I'm going to live my mama. No, that's not what your commitment said. Listen to me. 
we, we, we'll break a commitment like, like we're breaking bread. You can, get, you can get a divorce for $2.99 in some states. Richer for poor. Sickness and in health. If you don't get well and get up and get out of here, I'm going to move out. I'm going to get my own place. All I have to do, I have to take care of you, have to bathe you, have to wash you, got to take you to the doctor. Sickness and in health. You made a vow before that person and before God. You made a commitment. I'm going to preach, brother. I'm going to preach it down today. may not have nobody next week. Sickness and in health. To love, to cherish till death do us part. If you want out of that marriage, somebody's got to die. And if you don't get it right, it's probably going to be you. Till death do us part, to you I pledge my faithfulness. And then you go to the bride. She repeats the same stuff. Then about two weeks later after the honeymoon's over, after they get their first mortgage note, and they realize mom's not washing the clothes for them anymore. And Mr. John that was going to work so hard, can't get a job, because whatever. And y'all start realizing that each other's feet stink. Breath smells weird. You had no idea they were going to wake up looking the way they did because you'd never seen them that way. All of a sudden they don't, they don't do like they used to do. So then your mind starts racing. Well, this is not who I married. But you made a commitment. You made a vow. Not just before that person, which should be enough. But you made it before God's people. You made it in a public setting and you also made it before God. In the Old Testament, they were called covenants. If you broke a covenant in the Old Testament, God healed you. Isn't that wonderful? Maybe we should go back to the Old Covenant for a little while. You stole from God, He killed you. You remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? What did He do? He killed them because they lied to the prophet. But he said, will a man rob me? He said, yes, will a man rob me? In his tithing offerings. How many of you want to be blessed by God? Give, and it shall be given. It's very simple. So then we go from marriage, we make commitments there, and then we say, oh, well, we're going to get in a church. We've got to find that church. There's plenty of church. I told uh, our student pastor this past week, we were, we were riding, taking the... Kids Fest back, and I said, you know, if anybody dies and goes to hell in the state of Alabama, I guess they kind of deserve because there's a church on every corner. There's church, any flavor you want. Y'all know what flavor is? You got your sweet and calm, your kumbaya churches. Don't bother me, I won't bother you. Then you got this one. And in this one, we ask you when you join a church to make a practical commitment. Some of y'all may have forgotten it, so let's just read that real quick. You realize in presenting yourself for membership that you are assuming a solemn obligation. Those words mean nothing. And it is expected that you will always, not sometimes, 
be true to your promise and faithfully fulfill the discharge of your obligation as a loyal member. And every person I ask that, they say, I do, I will, I will. Oh yeah, I want to join this church. So then we go to number two. Do you publicly confess and testify that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and the full pardon of your sins? I do. Number three. Are you willing to walk in the light of the Scripture as the as it shines upon your path. The Bible says that the Word is a light unto our feet and a lamp, or a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And many times we don't open this until Sunday. Boy, I'm hammering today, Brother Hamby. We're going to have to find another church next week. General Assembly's next week and I'll be out there putting my card out, I guess. Number four. Are you willing to abide by and subscribe to the discipline of the church of God as outlined by the Scripture? And set forth in the minutes, this is the minutes, of the International General Assembly, which is next week. Yes. Are you willing to support the church with your attendance? I can do that. And temporal means the best of your ability as the Lord prospers you. Temporal means means giving. Number six. Do you agree to be subject to the counsel and the admonition of those who are over you in the Lord? I do as long as they don't do everything I want to do. But if they don't, I ain't going to do that. And then I say in verse number 8, there is a number 7 that I never read because I don't know what I'd do if you did this, but I'll read it to you so you, that you know that it's there. If there be any member who has a legal objection. Now listen, if I... I don't ask that question because I've often wondered what would I do. But you make a commitment to, to your spouse and then you make it to your church and then you make commitments to God. Want God to save you. The question is, why do you want God to save you? Is it because you love Him and you want to spend eternity with Him? Or you just prefer not to go to hell? So you've got to know. You've got to know why you're making your commitments. And commitments are so important that we must, we must learn to keep them. But why do we break commitments so easy? The short answer is this. It's our nature to be unfaithful. It's in our nature to be unfaithful. Because it doesn't start by breaking the commitment of marriage. It doesn't start by breaking the commitment of the church. It doesn't even start with breaking your commitment with Jesus Christ. It starts as when you know to do right and you do wrong, say as a child, don't eat that cookie before dinner. That's where it starts. You sneak over to the cookie jar... You've learned how to open it without a sound being made. You reach in, you feel conviction. You're looking to see if there's any eyes that are seeing you, which is, that's always a good sign that there's sin. You grab the cookie. And for those of you that like soft, moist cookies, oatmeal raisin, personal favorite of mine, and and you, and you, you smell it, oh, not like the onion we're smelling today, which there's a fundraiser right after church to send all these kids to Orlando. You need to be part of that. But you take that cookie and you look around. Ease the jar back on. Why they have to make them glass, I don't know. You set the cookie jar down and you... (laughs) 
get to the dinner table, and mom says, Why aren't you eating? Oh, I'm not hungry. Why, why are you not hungry? Have you had something to eat? Then you got to think. Does she know? That was always the first question I always asked. Does she know? Because if she doesn't, I'm going to take a chance on lying. No. Well, then eat your supper. Well, supper's never what you want it to be. It's surely not oatmeal cookies that are soft and moist with a glass of milk. It's always green beans and squash, which I love. <laughs> Maybe it's a plate of mushrooms, which I hate. But you're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm not eating this. And it's not that you don't need it. It's not necessarily that you don't want it. It's just that you're full of something else. Some people today are so full of themselves they can't fill themselves with God. He says to humble yourself. We want to spend all our time humbling Brother Kenny because if Brother Kenny would just do this and this and this, Brother Kenny would be a good asset to the kingdom. He just won't do right. And we spend all our time trying to humble everybody else. If Brother Hamby would just straighten up, you know, and just do right, and if he just, you know, if he just, if he just wear a hat every now and then, it would help on the reflection in the church. It would help, you know, why has he got to sit in the front if he's not going to cover it up or powdered or something, you know, because the lights cause, cause him. Is that good, Sister Ella? <laughs> and now that Brother Neil's got 20 20 in both eyes, he can see this. But we, we, we have become so programmed as a people to blame the reason we're not keeping our vows on you. And especially good at blaming the pastor. Because don't you talk about this. Well, I'm going to talk about it. Because listen, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to, your blood is not going to be on my hands. If you choose to leave, then it'll be on you. But I have to preach because, listen, if we don't keep the vow and the commitment now, we will never make it into the gates of heaven where the streets are gold, where the walls are jasper, where the gates are pearl, and where there's a place prepared for you and me. You've got to make your home his home. You can't just live like a Christian in the church and live like the devil at home. You ever do this? You know somebody's coming over and you have to search your house and think, what, what's out? What's, what's out? What's, what's the TV on? What's... You know how people do. We are the biggest hypocriters. When people come over, what do you do? Don't you lie. Don't you lie. Stall him. He's in the driveway. We start shoving stuff in the, in the closets. We start kicking stuff under the bed. You know you do it. You know how I know you do it? Because I do it. If I see somebody ride by that looks like a member, I say, hey, they're slowing down. Clean up. We start at the foyer. We can pause them there for a while. I even have a good story. When they come in the door, I start talking about the renovations just to slow them down so the girls, they know the formality. Start at the bathroom and go through the house. We do that. We do that when we come to church. You know, there's times when you come to church that out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. Because if the house ain't clean, you might forget something. And your pastor knows how to get that out of you. One of the best ways to get what's in there out is suddenly. 
It's not a matter of asking you, hey, are you saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost? Of course you are. You dress like it. You look like it. You shouted like it. But, just for fun's sake, if I went, ah! Now, if there would have been sin in his heart, he'd have just said some bad words. Some of you may have thought some. Thank God you didn't let them out. Because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. Oh, I've, I've scared people before and they say stuff and they say, I didn't mean to say that. I say, oh yes, you did. It's in there. <laughs> well, pastor, you shouldn't do that. No, I shouldn't. I get to. I don't do it to make you look bad. It shouldn't be in there anyway. You're walking around all holier than thou. You're doing your little thing. You got it all dressed up. But all of a sudden, oops, I did again. Going to play a Britney Spears song on me there and say, I didn't mean to do that. I don't know where that came from. I'll tell you where it came from. It came from somewhere you've been and you've allowed it in here and it filtered down in here and now it's come out of here. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you're all the time doing this, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know where I'm going to get it from. I don't know if God's really God. And if God is God, then He should move. And I'm just waiting on God. That is a total lie of the Word of the living God which tells tells me you've been feeding on the world's junk. The world will tell you you can't make it. The world will tell you the economy's going to destroy you. But my God said, I shall supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. That's my Father. That's my Father. That can be your Father. But if you're filling your mind of all the junk, that's all you're going to talk about. And I get sick of hearing it. I get sick of hearing it. I hate the news. I despise the news. Why don't they report something good? We'll spend hours talking about stuff that has no benefit whatsoever in heaven. When you make a decision to make this house His house, it's 24-7, 365 days a year, 366 if it's sleep year. Not just three or four hours a week when you decide to come and visit what we say is the house of God. This is not the house of God. You're the house of God. This is where we come to worship Him. See, we've been saying that crazy backwards. Well, if I could just get to church... Really? Why don't you think? Why don't you try being the church? If I could just get to church, I know what you're saying. I know what we're saying. I know what we're trying to say. We're trying to say if I could just get around a group of believers, I could feel the the excitement that comes. That's what we're talking about. But it, uh, we think if we can just get to the if the pastor could just let me tell you something. If another pastor never lays his hands on you again, you have the same closeness, the same availability to God that anybody else has. And I get tired of people chasing people. I get tired of hearing people saying, "Man, if I can just get to that church, if I can just get to him, if I can just get to her, if they can just pray for me." Let me tell you something. What you're doing is discrediting everything Jesus did on the cross. He said, "Now you." You have access to God the Father through Jesus Christ. And in my name, you shall do things that even I didn't do. God is ready to move in you. Are you ready for Him to move? I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Shh. 
I can't hear him if you're talking. He said, be still and know that I am God. Lord, I'm just going to sit here till you come back. Anybody seeing how holy I am? Then we start singing that song that becomes our theme song. I shall not be, I shall not be moved like a tree planted by the water. I shall not be moved. Can you help me teach Sunday school? I shall not be, I shall not. Can you at least greet at the front? I shall not be, I shall not. What are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. The Lord's coming to see me. The Lord's already seen you. The Lord's already visited you. Quit being a baby. Grow up and receive your calling and do it with the fullness of God. You are anointed, chosen by God, a royal, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. It's time for us to know who we are. I'd rather wait. If I have to do something, then I can't sit here. I'll start handing out cheese at the door. A little cheese with your wine. Nobody wants to be what we are. We come in, we act crazy and go live like the world. We ain't no different than nobody else. He said, signs and wonders will follow them that believe. We have to make this home His home. Our home is the center of our lives. Things happen in your home that you don't want people to know outside. It's the center, it's the establishment. We must pay very particular attention to creating our home as the center of worship and obedience. Worship who? Worship God first. If you hear something in your home that's not godly, stop it immediately. If you see something in your home, stop it immediately. Because everything starts in the home. Your family does not fall apart because you go to a church. Your family falls apart because God's not in your home. And that's not something the pastor does. It's not something a council does. It's not something a pastor will say. Do you know we only have you about three or four hours a day and the rest of the time you're at home? You've got to get God in your home. You've got to lead that home. You don't have the privilege of losing it because your children are watching you. They're paying close attention to you. It must be the center of worship and obedience. In Bible times to create a home, a marriage ceremony included that a bride would make a promise to include and honor her groom's God. That doesn't mean Jehovah God. It means whatever he was worshiping, she said, I'll worship. That was one of the guidelines. Not just the rich or poor. It was, I will worship your God. 2 Corinthians says this, however, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What does yoke mean? The two becoming one. Oil and water. You ever tried to mix that? You ever try to mix it in the beginning? It's almost impossible. And will most certainly, without God's help, end in disaster. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? You cannot marry someone and establish a home with that person and think that your faith is not going to be untouched. It will be untouched. Or it will be touched. 
Every area of your life is touched when you enter into a covenant marriage. Every area of your life should be touched when you enter into a covenant relationship with God because God will start touching things in your life. God will start putting His finger on things that He's not happy with. Just like I do in my home. My children do something, I don't just ignore it. Oh, I let them know. Because I'm their father. If the stove is hot, it would be foolish for me to watch them walk over and touch the stove. Why? Because they're going to be burned. But we watch our children head down a course for hell and we don't say anything about it because we don't want to offend them. We don't want them to be mad at us. I don't want to take away their their computer because that gives me me time. You don't deserve me time when you have children. Let me say this, not deserving, you just don't get it. We are paying for so much entertainment and media in our homes that is not beneficial to the kingdom and is not beneficial to our children and we're not doing one thing about it and the world is training up our children. The Bible says that we should train up a child in the way it should go and when it gets older it will not depart from it. It doesn't mean they won't go crazy and depart from it, but it says the Word. If the Word's not there, it can't be brought out. Why are we breaking the commitments when God moves like He's done today in the lives of His people? It convicts you. It moves you. And it should. It moves me. I love being in a group of believers. I love being in a worship set like this. But I think we've worshipped ourselves right out of the Word many times. The Bible says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We, 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 we think a good service is a shout. I like a good shout, but today people don't know what we're shouting about. Acting all crazy, falling out. What does that mean? Because we hadn't got the word in them. They're going, oh God, that's that crazy church. I knew that was going to happen. It always happens. I can't bring a guest to church because y'all going to act like crazy. You ever do that? When I was a kid, I thought, man, I can't invite, can't invite anybody to Sunday night church. That's when they go nuts. Sunday morning's a little bit dignified, but Sunday night they let their hair down. They start screaming, spitting, starting, throwing. It gets crazy. And then you have your pastor, oh, it'll be fine tonight. You bring your friends from school and then all of a sudden they just get crazy. Start giving out words. Shout. Somebody ain't never shouted before, all of a sudden they're going to shout that Sunday night. And it scares us. It's a fearful. I mean, you think about what just happened in here. If you're a guest, hey, Bear with us, brother. We'll show you what it is. But that would scare me to death. But if Christ is the center of your home, if Christ is the center of your worship, it will be evident in everything that you do. If you keep your vow to God, God will keep His vow to you. The only way that these promises are mine is if I keep my promise to Him. I can't go live in sin and expect the blessings of God. And many people, that's what they do. When they start sinning, I stop seeing them. It's not me. It's conviction. It's conviction. Well, I've been busy. No, you hadn't. You've been doing things you shouldn't. You need to come back to church. That's the greatest thing you should be. That's where you should be. If I just, if, if, if everything that I knew about people, Brother Hamby, when they walked in the door, I said, hey, yeah, here's what a lot of pastors do. Oh, I was praying this week. 
the Lord through the gift of the Holy Ghost revealed to me. You drink like a fish. <laughs> Not the unleaded. The leaded. We blame God for it when Neil told me that he seen him at the ABC store getting his liquor. We want to blame God. And then I want to say, well, what were you doing that close to the ABC store to see what he's doing? He was gambling. I saw him gambling. He's gambling. We got to kick him out of the church because he's gambling. He was at the casino. Huh. How do you know? Now you're going to have to stop telling on everybody. And don't do this to me. Many people do this. Pastor, I was praying. The Lord, like, don't, don't do that. The Lord doesn't do that. The Lord don't do that. The Lord is not one that's going to embarrass someone and try to run them out of the church. The Lord is full of love and of grace and of mercy. There are times I know stuff, but I thank God I get to see you because I can't preach to you if you're not here. But when you are here, I must reveal to you that 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 is wrong to a man or woman is sin. That that is wrong to a man or woman is sin to that man or woman. Who is that? What does that mean? That means that's between you and God. Between you and God. So commitments are so important. And we must keep our commitments to God. We must keep that vow to God. I want you to stand to your feet. Oh, it's time. The next commitment that, that we're not going to talk about, but I want to bring it to your attention, is we need to vow to make Sunday His day. His day. According to Genesis, we know God created all that was created in six days, and He rested on the seventh. That used to be so honored by America. And now, it's not honored at all. I wished all businesses would shut down except for churches on Sunday. It's amazing the traffic that you see every day during the week, people running and going and keeping their commitments. But on Sunday, you can run every red light in town because they only need one police officer because they know we ain't going to do nothing but just chew out the waitress or the waiter. It's about the extent of our wildness. Waiters and waitresses never complain about any day of the week except Sunday. You know why? Because the church shows up. Keep the Sabbath holy. Well, Jewish Sabbath ain't something. Just shut it. This is the day that we have set aside. It didn't matter if it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. As long as we have a day in seven days set aside, quit being so religious. Well, you know it's Saturday. Well, then you come Saturday and worship all day you want to. The air won't be on, but you can do what you want to in here. We want to get so theology, so so caught up in theology and so uh, spiritual, and but we don't want to. We don't want to show it when we do have it. We just want to talk about it while we can.
We have commitments. And let me share this with commitment before we go. How many of you have a home? How many of you have a mortgage? How many of you have ever missed a payment on your mortgage? They don't just wait till the next time and you just catch it up. Oh, thank you for thank you for coming back and being our customer. No, they come after you. But then you get mad at them when they send you a. Well, it amazes me how many people get mad when their lights get cut off because they don't pay their bill. I just don't know why they cut my lights off. Did you pay the bill? No, I didn't pay the bill. I told them I didn't have it. They told you they were going to cut the lights off. Listen, he told you what was going to happen. And in the last day, there's going to be some mad people at God again. I didn't think you were serious. <laughs> He's serious. They say, Pastor, boy, after, after that, you should have just ended it. Here's what I know. There's a high possibility that I may not be here next Sunday. You may not be here. Not because I'm leaving. Not because you may be visiting another church because you feel like I beat you up. But because you could be stepping out of this building and out of that body into eternity this week. And I just want to know, are you committed? Not to me, to the church. Lord, that ain't going to save you. But are you truly committed to God? This past week we had the privilege of having one of our officers here bringing his child to Kids Fest. And one of the nights he came in uniform, and I'm glad. It don't scare me to have an armed uniform. I like that. But there was people in here going, what's he doing here? What's he, what's he doing here? That's the way we live a lot of times. Don't live that way. Just do right. Just do what's right in the sight of God. Doesn't mean the world's not going to attack you. Last week I told you about the attacks. So it's just going to happen. But when God is your refuge, He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of what appears to be death. See, some of you got news this week that, that, that there's some things wrong with your body and you're, you're having some tests. You're having to do things. Listen, He's still God. To live is Christ. To die is gain. If death, listen, death is a promotion to the saint. The Bible says He delights in the death of one of His saints. Why? Because He knows ultimately all of us should be there. You see, our view of heaven is, oh no, I'm leaving here, and oh no. But that's not the view of death to me at all. Someone said, you anticipate death. I don't anticipate death. I anticipate life that is eternal. I anticipate not having any more aches and pains. I anticipate not having to deal with the thoughts of what this world is going to do against my children against God's church, that's a burden to me. The greatest burden in my life is you, the souls.
do not leave here today thinking that I'm mad at you, that I'm mad at God. I want you to comprehend, as I, we have a commitment we must keep our commitments. Some of our commitments are things that are making our children happy but will have no eternal value to them. Change your priorities. And don't hear me. Hear the voice of God. Father, Father, touch the heart of each one of your children that is here. Father, bring them to a place to where they know, they know without a shadow of a doubt that their eternity is sealed with you. There's no doubt in my life where I will spend eternity. Lord, if you come in the rapture, I'm going. I know that. I have that blessed assurance. But Lord, if I die, to be absent of the body is to be present with you. I have that assurance. But Father, some of us, many here today, and this, is, this has been the burden as a pastor, many here today are so caught up in the things of life that will not matter. They will not matter in eternity. They're so caught up in the how they're going to make it, how their finances are going to turn around, how they're going to get the job. But God, they have forgotten that you, you said that I shall supply all that you need. That you would be an ever-present help in time of trouble. We have forgotten. We've forgotten who we are. So today, Father, through your word, remind us. Remind us who we are. Change the things in our life that need to be changed. Move the things out that need to be moved out. But Father, bring the things in that need to be brought in. Give us boldness. Give us strength. But most of all, Father, give us a peace that surpasses what we understand. There's days that I don't understand. There's days that I, I just don't comprehend what's going on. But it doesn't mean that you've changed your mind about me. It doesn't mean that you've left me. Because I am promised, we are promised that you will never leave us. Never leave us. Nor forsake us. You said you would go with us even until the end of the age. And even then you said that upon that place you would receive us unto yourself that where you are we may be also. That is a blessed assurance. Just be still for a moment, church. Just talk to Him. Search us, O God. If there be anything there, reveal it. Remove it. 
and give us the ability to walk away from it. one of the hardest things for us to do is just be still. Just be still. Spirit, you are always welcome. Minister, do in us what we cannot do on our own. Reveal in us the things that we have hidden so that we can be what we have been called. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you so much for the visitation of your presence, for the outburst of praise, God, in your people. Create such an excitement in the atmosphere. Father, your word says that it is a two-edged sword. It cuts both bone and marrow. Today, Lord, I pray that you cut the things in us that need to cut. Remove those things that need to be removed. Help us, Father, to be challenged by the commitments that we've made or maybe the lack of commitment. Father, let us not allow the enemy to do or say something to us that would create us the mindset that we're against each other. We're not against each other. Father, I want to see every person in this building at the marriage supper. But Father, it's going to take a new vow. Father, because vows are important. Let our yes be yes, our no be no. Let us choose this day whom we will serve. Lord, I choose you. I'm not going to waver, change my mind. Eternity is too long to risk over a temporal feeling. It's not worth it. Church, please hear that. Please hear that. No sin is worth eternity missing it. Turn. Fathers, we leave this place. We do not leave alone. 
you're with us. Your Holy Spirit is within us, guiding us, directing us into all truth. Father, let that truth, which is your word, set us free. We pray and ask this in the name that is above every name, in the name of Jesus.